I know for a fact, just from some of the people that I've talked to, that there is a lot of pressure. Like just sitting back and saying nothing all of a sudden isn't good enough anymore. It's like you have to pick a side and you right. you you better toe the company line. You know, the NFL is a company, the NHL, these are all companies or corporations with small little divisions, which are the teams underneath them. You know, if you you gotta do what you gotta do to make sure you're gonna keep getting that paycheck and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm not walking in no shoes either. So You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to American Snippets. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. Appreciate you being here today. Our guest today is an Army veteran who founded a publishing company called Tactical 16. For years, that company worked with primarily authors in the armed forces, police, fire, and rescue communities in a hybrid publishing model designed to be an affordable yet powerful outlet so those folks could write and publish their books. Uh, Having recently stepped away from running that company, he has moved into the same work for professional athletes. Uh, Not only that, he's also, which is pretty cool, a member of the United States Space Force, and he continues to offer brand and marketing support to the company that he founded, Tactical 16. Today, he's going to be sharing the ins and outs of the publishing world and offers a sneak peek into his work with the United States Space Force. So please help me welcome Eric Shaw to the American Sippets podcast. Today, Eric will be talking about his experiences working with professional athletes, how politics has entered their profession, as well as how it could impact their own personal brand. So without further ado, here is Barbara Allen with Eric Shaw. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Let's get into it today, Eric, and talk about your story and your message and how people today facing all of this uncertainty can can learn from you to adapt and overcome all the insanity that's in front of them. Right. So we, we launched Tackle 16 on, on a Thursday in, in uh, 2012. And, you know, we get a phone call from Fox News. They want us to come on and, and tell tell our story about why we're doing. And I mean, we only had three days really to put our story together. We, we really didn't know our story at that point. So, you know, we were, we were just trying to jump out there and help as many people as we could. And we didn't realize it was going to be such a, a roller coaster of a ride. And, you know, that Sunday we went on Fox news and it's just never slowed down for us ever since then. So it's been, it's been awesome. It's allowed me to do some really cool stuff and get involved with some really cool people and, you know, like I was saying before, I have a hard time saying no. So I'm just constantly going down these other little roads and, you know, looking for opportunities. But, you know, the main focus has always been trying to help people that are, that are struggling a little bit and and we have an outlet to help. So, you know, why wouldn't I do it? Yeah. So let me um, back that up for one second. I want to just clarify for everybody what tactical 16 is. And then ask you, how does that go? That's everybody's dream to found a company on a Thursday and be on a national platform on a Sunday. So I need to find out how that happened as well. So let's go into first, what is, explain what Tactical 16 is. So Tactical 16, we launched uh, in 2012. Um, A lot of veterans at that time frame were were starting to jump into the entrepreneur world. And a lot of them were starting to get into writing books. And the book deals that these guys were getting were 
they were terrible. I mean, uh, I can remember talking to some of these authors that uh, became very popular and successful outside of their book. But I'd ask and be like, what are you getting? Like, how are you making money off this book? And they're like, oh, I'm not making any money off the book. And I'm like, well, what's I'm the point? I'm familiar with that. I'm familiar with that. Go ahead. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it's that really bothered me because that was right around the time I was getting asked by some companies, hey, you ever thought about publishing your book? And somebody was, one of these publishing companies was going to give me 5%, which, you know, I was new at that time. And then talking to some of these other uh, authors, they're like, man, that was a, that was a pretty good deal. You, they offered you 5% for your first attempt. I was like, 5%, that, that just seems absurd. So we, rather than, than me signing with a company and having a ghostwriter tell my story the way the publishing company wanted us to tell it, um, we launched Tactical 16 and, and allowed the authors to tell the story they wanted to tell it. We wanted that therapeutic aspect and, and the benefits of, of getting it out there on paper, but we also wanted the author to potentially be able to support themselves um, is a living. So our profits were, were way higher than 5%. So, yeah. So you decided to launch that and you had your official launch and and you were working with a partner. Yes. At, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had a, a partner at the time, uh, him and his wife are, are very business minded. I'm more of a talker. So I just thought, Hey, we can do everything we want. And they were always like, no, we need to, you know, sl- slow it down a little bit. Can't can't just go buying blimps and Ferraris and Lamborghinis now. We gotta <laughs> gotta pace ourselves. So I was always grateful for them, and, and they're still dear friends friends to this day too. But they deserve a lot of credit for where we put the company today. So how does that happen? Then you have your launch. How did Fox News get wind of you, and you wind up? And I'm sure that thrilled your business partners, who were like. <laughs> Now, now yeah, like, I don't oh, know. Man. I don't know. <laughs> a mixed blessing, for. right? <laughs> like what? Right. It, it was one of those deals too, where you can't say no. Yeah. I mean, you pass up on that. It might that opportunity might not come back around again. So, I called him up and, and said, "Hey, uh, you know, Fox News reached out to us, and you know, his first thought was kind of like the local Fox affiliate here." Yeah. I was like, "No, man, I think this is the big one." You know, uh, I think we're we're going national right out of the box. So, yeah, he he was an IT guy too. So, like, as soon as we went on there, our websites crashed, our servers went down. I mean, everything just folded in on itself. But um, we rebounded, and everything worked out well for that. And so, how did they find out? We had gray it? hair. <laughs> um, we had a friend out in Maryland at the time that was working for Discovery Channel. Um, that that conglomerate of networks he said hey man i got these these uh friends down at fox they're looking for a story for sunday would you be interested and you know i didn't ask anybody i was like yeah we're in so i I had never done media before at that point so you know i'm just trying to like basically google how to do a news interview and you know just trying to be classy and keep my hands where they're supposed to be and all that stuff and um, it was a cool experience. I thought that was going to kind of be it. I, I really thought that was going to be our 15 minutes, you know, and we, yeah. we get our 15 minutes and then roll out, but it, it kept, kept going and, you know, it's still moving. It's in a new phase now. It's been a fun ride. Yeah. Onward. So the goal of tactical 16 was largely focused at helping veterans tell their stories then, and doing so in a way that not only benefited them, 
emotionally, but practically as well, and helping them earn an income and get a footing in a professional world through then, which I know as somebody who's put out two books on my own and learned exactly how not to publish a book. I could write that book. <laughs> here's, right. here's how not, here's how to make sure you never make a dime on your book, you know, it, it, like it, how to do that. And here's to make sure how you, here's how to lose money on your book. I could write that book as well. Yeah, right. Um, and so I know personally that that is a, a huge service you're providing, especially with stories that need to be told. A lot of people have these stories and these messages that just need to be heard, uh, not only for their own benefit, but for others as well. But at some point you decided you took this company so far and I see, I see it everywhere. You know, I know people who have published through you and gone through you and I've seen you at events and your company at events and heard nothing but good things about you. But at some point, even though you're riding this successful company, no, you're not riding, you're driving this successful company. You decided it's time for you to step back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, we made that decision we started to make that decision two years ago. Um, I just really felt like there wasn't, I just couldn't take it any further. Um, you know, and like we've talked before, you, you, you can help 10 people and it's that one person you don't help that just wants to destroy everything you've ever tried to accomplish. And stuff was starting to get personal. I had a daughter that was starting high school. I, I just didn't want to and, and as you know, I mean, running a business, is, that's an 18 to 20 hour a day deal. You know, it, you try to cut back and, you know, a short day is 15 hours. So yeah. you're just, you're missing out on family time. You're missing out on, on all the cool stuff that's going on. Friends and family are doing stuff and it, it, it just became a burden. It, it, it wasn't fun anymore for me. Um, my government job was really starting to take off. I was going down all these other avenues and you just, you just reach a point where something has to go. And, um, very proud, very happy with what we did with tactical 16. I I have a friend out here, uh, retired special forces warrant officer. He's like, man, I'd love to take tactical 16 over. And I was like, you're the guy. So, you know, when in doubt, calling the special forces and and let them, (laughs) (laughs) let them take the ball. So that's what he's done. And, He's uh he's moving at the company in the right direction. He's definitely taking it places where I'd never even thought about taking it. So it's gonna be really fun for me to to still stick around as the founder and be involved in in some decision making. But to watch him and his vision hopefully take it to that next level is gonna be cool. It's gonna be pretty inspiring. I, I think we're gonna actually have a bigger reach when it's all said and done to help help uh, more people beyond veterans, which is something I kind of wanted to get into as well. Yeah. What is that demographic that you're referring to? Um, so uh, the law enforcement community, obviously um, that was a big one. Just people in general that just have traumatic stories that, that they want to tell, but they don't know how. And, and if we can help them tell that story and also educate the public as to what some of this stuff that's going on and we're, we're kind of the point financially where we can take more risks on some of these books. And we've had books that I, I thought were terrible and I was like, yeah, that book was garbage, but I'll run into somebody and they'll be like, man, that book was amazing. It, you know, changed my life, so to speak. And yeah. I come back and eat my words, you know, but um, <laughs> it's that part's cool to be able to, to help, help yeah. people through stories. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, correct? That's right. And that it is a very personal thing. 
Okay, so you mentioned your government job, which is? I do satellite stuff for um, the U.S. Space Force now. See, you can't even say that without smirking. It's just a cool thing to say. I work for the Space Force. It's well, <laughs> it, it wasn't even like I asked for it. I just came into work yeah. one day and I'm like, you're Space Force. Like, Seriously. That's how we're doing this. So, yeah. <laughs> so what is that? like? I mean, you are actually the very first person I have come across firsthand who works with the Space Force. And kidding aside, it seems like a fascinating area to be branching out into. Is it different? Is it different than what you had envisioned it would be? Is it the same? I've been doing uh, space operations stuff with the government since 2010. Um, I was doing it with the Army. I've worked with the Navy, worked with the Air Force, and now Space Force doing this stuff. There's... um, there's a definite need for it. I, I believe there's been a need for it since the 90s. That's when this concept kind of first started getting thrown around a little bit under the Clinton administration. Um, there's a growing threat. There's, there's stuff that is going on that this Space Force is going to be able to defend and protect against. It's just and – the, and the mission itself is still going. It's, it, you know, the airmen from the Air Force are still running it professionally and in the way they're supposed to it's just now getting everything under one roof and under one set of leadership with one set of of guidelines versus working with four branches and having all those ideas and opinions at the same time that's kind of where we're having a little bit of growing pains but it's nothing that probably we should have we should have expected that And, and we'll get through it and space force will quietly be defenders of of the world so we'll we'll see what happens so um, and, you know, obviously, if there's areas that you can't talk about, that's fine. But th- I know that there are a lot of people who kind of also just make fun of it. Like, oh, we're doing a Space Force. Like, it's all a big joke. And it's just another ridiculous thing that this president is dreamed up to satisfy his own <clears throat> like interests or urge or whatever you want to call it. But you're saying that the actual work has been done prior to this administration. And it's and it's not the like Hollywood kind of crazy things that people are saying. It is. No, this has been, this has been on the talk for with the last probably three administrations we've had. Uh, we've known we were going to need an asset like this within the, the government and within the military. It was just a matter of funding for one, obviously. And then um, who was just, who was going to go for it and say, yes. And we got the guy in there now that's not afraid to do that stuff. So um, here we are, Space Force. <laughs> That's true. So what are some of the threats that you're talking about? Are they more like natural, like asteroids and stuff, or are they other countries? Who no, are there, we've got, there's other countries up there, and, you know, they're, they're trying Satellites to poke and, and all that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff happening up there that and, – and it's all public record. You can, yeah. People can read about it. They just – I don't think they – No one wants to read about it. They just want right. to talk about it. <laughs> Exactly. And I have to read about it. And, and yeah. Not talk about it, so. <laughs> it's, it's um, there, there's just a lot going on up there that could be detrimental to our national security if left okay. unchecked. So that's uh, we're, we're just making sure everybody's playing by the rules. Yeah, I'm so I'm actually really so glad that I got the opportunity to to talk a little bit about that. That was like an unexpected little nugget or sprinkle on top of this, because that's something we haven't been able to offer 
our community before. And I know that there was a lot of talk about this and how ridiculous it was and a waste of money. So you were officially the first person who's been able to fill in some of those gaps for us. And I think as Americans as a whole, even just hearing, maybe being able to relax a little that on the one area, like all is not as it appears, like look behind the headlines, there's more to it than, than this. And when it's explained in such a matter of fact way and you take all the crap and tabloids out of it, it makes right. perfect, you know, it makes perfect sense, really. It just also happens to sound pretty cool. Space. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no, it's, it's just not going to not sound cool. Okay. But you are also now because you're a multitasker and a job and a father and a family, just and some dogs that look pretty funny. Uh, yeah, right. Is, isn't enough <laughs> for you. Uh, you know, you're still working with authors and on top of working with Tactical 16, the company itself to promote the uh, growth of the company and its brand, you're working now that I see you're working with NFL players and professional athletes. Is that something you're doing on your own or with the company? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, I didn't realize so many athletes were interested in writing. And, you know, through a mutual friend, you and me have Tim Clune down in Dallas Crazy TK. Yeah, all day, huh? <laughs> so you want to talk about a multitasker? He's the one. No but, kidding. Uh, I, I've met a lot of. I knew some NFL guys before I started kind of hanging out with him and his circle of friends, and you know, getting down there and hanging out with him, and then people find out that you know I'm the book guy. So just talking to these guys and listening to their stories of how they've persevered and, and some of the stuff they've gone through to get to that high level of sports and, and athletics. I'm like, there's some stories here. People would like to read and, and hear about. It's a different side. Than what, again, what we see on the media, the media just tends to not get the whole story and they don't care. Whereas I'm, I'm always focused on the whole story. I want to paint the whole picture. So, and, and these guys, they, they all got some pretty amazing stories as well. And, just advising them on some ideas and, and, and some of them go with other publishers and stuff like that. And, and that's fine. But you know, like you were saying, we need to educate them on how not to lose money in this deal. Cause it can happen really quick. <laughs> like you blink yes. and you're, you just lost a substantial amount of money for nothing. So it's been more along those lines. So when I work with those guys, they'll have questions about what their contract should look like. And like, this is, this is a contract I would sign or this is a contract I wouldn't sign type of advice I give back. So that's been, it's been fun to be able to help them with that too. And, and actually keep them on target when they're writing their stuff. All right. So I know that you make it a point to kind of stay above the politics and probably when you went down this road, that was easier to do, but now it seems like you can't, you know, sneeze without spraying or spraying into your mask. You know, I mean, things have just gotten crazy, right? So right. I'm curious to know if that has impacted, you know, there's a lot of people who've lost a lot of love for professional athletes, beginning with the NFL players um, that seem to start the trend. But now it seems to be branching out into the world of professional athletes as a whole, that part of the country is cheering them and championing them. And part of them despises them and could give a shit if they ever come back and play another game at all. And given the fact that you're doing what you're doing, I'm imagining that's trickling into how you're um, going to be able to share their stories or what part of their stories or the interest level in their stories or their willingness to come forward. I mean, is it, or, or am I just completely off base on that? No, you're hundred percent. And with my military background and, 
everything we've done, I, I think there's a, there's mutual respect between me and, and some of these athletes that we deal with. They're very cognizant of my viewpoints and, and my, um, where I stand, you know, as an American and, and I'm cognizant of theirs too. I respect, I respect their opinions and thoughts. I don't always agree with the way that stuff is being handled, but you know, this is America. You, you handle it the way you want to handle it. Do what you can afford is what I always tell people, you know? So, <laughs> and, and I, I have kind of, that's, that's been the one sort of point I've brought up is there's a real good chance you're going to lose a lot of money you know, doing some of this stuff that's going on out there. And, you know, some guys get it, some guys don't. I think people like you and myself and in and, and our circles, you know, we're, we're a little bit older, a little bit more mature. We've got some life under us at this point. And when you're talking to a 21-year-old kid that just signed a $35 million contract, you know, it's a different world for them. And the, this, the real world stuff hasn't hit them yet. But, you know, I, I've kind of – just giving them my, my 10 cents and said that the world real world could hit you pretty quick and it's going to hit you in a wallet. And that's not a place where I, I prefer to get hit, you know? So, you know, we'll see what happens. It's, it's sad. Everything has become so divisive, you know, sports for me used to just be a, a, a I could sit down and watch a game for two hours and not think about that other stuff. Now it's just, it's just everywhere. Like you said. Yeah. Um, and for me, when I had a conversation with someone who I respect a lot, try and she's on the other side of, of the issues than I am in particular, she was saying pretty much, well, good, you know, that that's the point. If it's uncomfortable for all of us, it should be uncomfortable for all of you. And I don't see that there's going to be a way past that impasse anytime soon, really. But I was curious as to how, you know, how I, did you start that you started down this path before COVID hit and before? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we, I think I got on this path around the time Kaepernick took the knee. Oh, smart. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? If you're going to jump in, jump in now. So I just Just jump. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was a high one. But, um, they, uh, I, I just had a lot of guys reaching out to me, asking how I felt about that. And it, at that time that, there was confusion with the, some of the athletes on how they should go about doing this. And I just said, that this is, this is what I think. I'm not going to change my opinions. And then I just ended it with this could get really expensive really quick. So yeah. Yeah. it has, you know, they're losing money like crazy and just like, it, you know, what's it worth to you? Yeah, I think they probably can afford to. And last note on this, because it's just, it's interesting and you you keep bringing up points. I have a friend whose son plays college football and he was recruited to that college specifically. He's extremely talented, um, who was getting along fine in the first year, playing on the team, all is good. All of this uproar, you know, happens. And now he is mandated to kneel with his team. He's told he has to kneel. He's not given a choice. He's told to kneel. He's told he will wear a social justice quote on his jersey and he it's it's non it's not up for debate right this is what you're going to do and i don't know um i'll be interested to see if stories come out down the road if other athletes are feeling pressured to do the same or not i think we're going to hear a lot down the road of people did things that they didn't want to or didn't do things that they do want to everyone's acting now it seems in a way that they just 
want to be accepted rather than be authentic. And the people who are saying, let's be authentic are really full of shit because they're not authentic right. at all. <laughs> so. Well, there, there's, I know for a fact, just from some of the people that I've talked to that there is a lot of pressure, like just sitting back and saying nothing all of a sudden isn't good enough anymore. It's like, you have to pick a side and you, right. you, you better tow the company line. You know, the NFL is a company, the NHL, these are all companies or corporations with small little divisions, which are the teams underneath them. You know, if you, you got to do what you got to do to make sure you're going to keep getting that paycheck. And I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm not walking in those shoes either. So, yeah, it'd be interesting know. to see if a whole new, if all new leagues open up, right. If all yeah. new, I think people are just going to buy up and create new leagues and that's going to be the end of leagues as we know it in my personal wise opinion. Anyway, who knows nothing about sports, but looking <laughs> at I the don't industry, think you're that far off. you know, and looking at the industry as a whole, it's an opportunity, I think for yeah. other people. And if, if they need a commissioner, I'm going to send in your resume. So <laughs> we'll, we'll there you go. I'm on it. But you, sir, have found a very creative way to be an in, but to create your own bridge over this um, because you can't hop on social media. Social media is kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? It's easy right. To, to pop off that and step away and leave it. But then again, if you're building a business and you want to grow your reach and you want to stay in touch, you want to stay in relevant, you today's world, you have to be on social media really to do that unless you're like in that kind of dark underworld connected, whatever it is, you know, but most people need to be on social media to be relevant. And so for most people, it's kind of like, like, like an energy suck, you know, to go. Yeah. So, so for me, when I'm doing my thing, it is an energy suck and I'm getting annihilated, like attacked by all sorts of people for going out there. I love the fact that I can always hop over to Eric Shaw's page <laughs> and like you are an oasis in the sea of the insanity out there. Let's talk about your own page for a little bit. And I imagine that this would have never even crossed your mind that it would be a topic, but now it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is the first time I've actually had to talk about it on an interview. So this is fun. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, I like you, you know, like we've talked in the past, I'm probably three or four years ahead of, of where you are with social media and that stuff. Like you're getting all the hate I got back in like 2015 yeah, yeah. You know? and, and you're right. It's just draining because you're, you're trying to do the right thing. And, and we, we don't back, we never back down from anything. If, if I felt it was right, I posted it. And if people took it the wrong way, so be it. If I was wrong, I apologize, but I normally do research on, on the stuff I post and, you know, I, I stand behind it. So, but you just get tired of arguing. It's the same arguments over and over again. I mean, you can only get called a racist so many times and it's just like, what am I even doing this for? But again, like you said, we're trapped to social media if we want to keep, keep doing what we're doing. So I just was like, man, I'm just going to make people laugh on here. I'll venture, I'll throw out some stuff every now and then with my opinion attached to it, just so people know, I'm, you know, I'm a human, <laughs> but right. I'm like, I just want to make people laugh and enjoy themselves. And I did, I didn't expect the reaction I got out of it. Like I'd go on there, post something stupid and get like 10 likes and be like, Oh, that's awesome. And then 10 turned into 30, then to 40. Then, you know, I've posted stuff on there and you get three, 400 likes and you're, like all this was, was a picture I stole from somebody else's site. Like I didn't even make it, you know? So, but I, I think that's where we are as a society. People, 
people are tired, man. They're mentally drained and yeah. they're mentally drained and they're addicted to social media. So how can I help, help both of those things? And I've just found humor is the way to do it. And, and that's allowed me to, you know, raise money for some charities along the way and still keep my name out there a little bit, but I definitely enjoy playing my little part in this crazy world. And especially in the COVID world, it just, just making people laugh a little bit. And, you know, that, that was the whole point of social media to begin with. It was never supposed to be what the garbage it's turned into today. Yeah. I think um, there, there is a value to the platforms now, but it's also um, a danger to the platforms in that it is just doing all sorts of crazy things. I compare it, I think, to driving, right? People like drive down the road and cut you off and slam into you because they have the an- anonymity almost of the car. But if they're in the store, like looking at you face to face, they're not going to like cut you off and elbow you and get you out of line and, and curse you out when they're standing right in front of you. But just something Maybe about that separation. Huh? <laughs> well, now, I, yeah, now that's not the case. Yeah. The people I hang out with, they'll, they'll cut me off and elbow me any chance I get, you know, but, but total uh, strangers. Yeah. Total strangers are not going to, you know, with the exception of the right. insane people like doing insane things in the world out there today. So where is your, your next leap going to be? Where are you, where are you headed? We have, I got opportunities galore. I'm just at the point right now where I want to, I want to get my daughter through high school. You know, we got three more years of that. Um, it's been really awesome to take a step back and just be dad, not have all this other stuff going on. And just advise if Chris calls with a question, I just give a quick answer and then I'm back off the phone. It's not, not a five hour, you know, Saturday work night running a business anymore. So, um, and then once she gets, gets past high school into college, I, I think we'll probably jump in on, on some opportunities that, that I'm already seeing starting to, to grow. And, you know, we'll just see where that road takes us. We've, we've been very good at making the right decisions and teaming up with the right people. And, you know, I let, I let these young entrepreneurs know all the time that every one of my friends, no matter what their industry in, they're in, they're, they're the best in the business at what they do. So I've surrounded myself around those types of people. So um, just pass the knowledge off to these younger vets or they want to get into business or just younger college people in general that, that have questions. And I let them know you're probably not going to go on Fox news three days after you launch. So don't, <laughs> don't, don't expect that, but these results um, are not typical. Yeah, exactly. A little fine print <laughs> yeah. when I talk to people. So, um, it, but, but they get it and they're receptive. I'll, I'll keep doing the speech thing when, you know, if normal times ever come back again, you know, I was sitting here thinking before we came on here, I said, this is the longest I've ever gone without having to travel somewhere to give a speech, do an event. Like this is normally a busy time for my wife and myself, you know, just traveling and, and seeing people and, you know, we haven't done, done anything. So I, I, I complained about it before COVID. I don't think I'll complain about it after COVID. Right. You know, I definitely miss seeing some of, some of you guys in person and, um, talking about the next, next big plans all of us are doing. So. Yeah. Isn't it interesting to see, um, and our communities overlap yours and mine a lot. And a lot of the people that we do have that overlap with are people who are like, you know, you take that initial hit, you're like, what the hell man. And you get pissed for a minute and then you're like, okay, and let's figure this out from here. And isn't it great to see what, what people are doing and figuring out 
because yeah. of this almost we've seen some really creative solutions to yeah you're you're starting to see the um the players against the pretenders now the the, the people that are really out here making it happen and have been i think they've they've kind of been buried with this large crowd of people that are all trying to do the same thing. And now, now the cream's kind of rising to the top, especially in our communities. I, I've definitely seen some, some amazing potential solutions and overrides the problems to, to keep, keep stuff moving forward. And that's been inspirational. I hope, I hope that innovative uh, spirit continues after COVID. Yeah. And we don't, we don't go back to getting, getting lazy again and taking stuff for granted. You know, but only time will tell on that one. It's human nature, I think, to take things for granted. Um, and that you're just not going to, you know, 9-11 was our last big wake-up call prior to this. And that was a big eye-opener for a lot of people. And now, again, yeah. a lot of eyes are are being opened. And I personally consider myself lucky to surround myself with people like you and our mutual friends. Because a few years ago, I would have just, you know, fallen right into the victim, sit back, hope for my COVID check to carry through, you know, and just, <laughs> right. the, and just said, well, nothing I can do about it. It's not my fault. <laughs> you know, And just yeah. waited for this to lift and employed hope as a strategy and all of that stuff. So I love that I get to surround myself with people like, like you and that we get to bring you to our community. Like such important, powerful messages, I think, but let's take it back even further now, because I feel like I, Heard you talk before and say that since you were a young kid, you were always interested in being in the military. You played with the GI Joes and all that stuff, and yeah, right. I wanted to be a. They're <laughs> sitting right behind you and behind this camera, so still got so, them. What is that? Do you have siblings? You have a military family? Like, where did that come from? My my mom and dad were both Air Force. They did like three, three six years, you know, each. They had short careers. Uh, grandpa was in the army. My dad and my grandpa were both Pittsburgh city police officers, almost like 60 years straight. Wow. They were on the police department. So, um, just always had that, that sort of lifestyle instilled in me, you know, military members were, were always, always heroes to me. I always thought they were larger than life when I was a little kid. And, um, you know, going to desert storm was the big one for me that, that I, I was old enough to remember what happened and, and seeing the results and seeing the um, response from the American people during that time. I mean, that, that just stuck with me. So I, I knew I always wanted to do the military. And then, you know, I hit 18 years old. I'm like, oh, this is it. We're going for it. And I got cold feet. <laughs> I did not join right away. So um, tried to tried to make some stuff happen on my own. And it was just a big disaster. Turned 20 and was like, I got it. I got to do something. So the army looked amazing at that point. And, you know, it was the best decision I ever made looking back on it. I wish I would have gone at 18. Well, I mean, <clears throat> 18 to 20 are probably the most opportune times in your life to just take a couple of years back and put your life in a blender, you know, cause once you do it after that, you tend to have families and other people relying on you. And if you're going to like go through some sort of turbulent times, I think it's best to do it when there's nobody else depending on you. So I feel like you did it just right. Yeah, it matters. <laughs> I think it was after my second go in the local shopping mall in Pittsburgh after working in every one of them stores, oh. like <laughs> yeah. this, this is more than this. So, yeah. yeah. So that's uh, that army recruiter, man. He, 
he looked amazing when he finally showed up in my house with the paperwork. It's like, we're, we're doing this this time. I bet. I bet. So at what point did you meet your, your wife? Was it that during your military career? Yeah, she was in the army as well. Um, I met her, she was stationed in Korea with me. Uh, we were both in the same unit and we were both coming off terrible, you know, relationships and we're looking for this fresh, clean start. And 15 years later, we're still rocking and rolling. So that was, uh, that was a very amazing encounter. I'm glad it happened. I didn't want anything to do with Korea. And then, you know, looking back on it, it made sense. Timing was perfect on that one. So that, yeah. that won't work that well for us. Sometimes things that you think are a curse turn out to be the biggest blessings. Right. And that, I don't force anything anymore. You know, if, even if I'm presented with stuff, I'm like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. I don't know if I want to do it. All right. You know, I'll push forward and do it. And then it, it, it works out. So it turns I, to something, right? Like what's the right. worst that can happen? The worst can happen is you learn something, you waste some time, you meet someone cool, you do something different and you have another memory, another story to tell. Exactly. <laughs> another interview for another day. Another interview for another day. But that, that I think does take some, some wisdom and, you know, and years under your belt before you just understand the, the power of, of living like that. I think anyway, you know, there are certainly younger people who do that, but for the most part, once you learn to to figure it out that way, you, it just becomes your way of life. Sure, I'll try that. People, do people look at you all the time like, Eric, you're crazy. Like, why, why are you doing that? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what my like my my parents are still just it, it, floored that all this has happened because they're just like, and and that's a different generation too. I I, I don't think that generation. Well. I take that back. That generation did what they had to do. You know, our generation has a little bit more techno technological advantage. So some of the stuff we're doing looks like we're taking risks, but really it's just, just kind of the way of the world now. It, it looks a little scarier than it, than it is to somebody that's not familiar with the way that we, we operate. So, and then, you know, like I said before, surrounding yourself around good people, they're not, they're not going to let you down. I mean, they're going to come out with some outlandish stuff from time to time, you're like, Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I'll, okay. I'll ride yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll ride or die with him any day of the week. But yeah. someday I'll be like, what do we get into this time, man? So, yeah. But, uh, and for those of you, I know I'm making TK references. We interviewed him back in episode <clears> something <throat> earlier, and I'll put a link to his story as well. But he's another example of just this great person who connects other great people, I think. And, He's a mover and shaker in this world, and yeah. you gotta have you gotta have friends like that. Yeah, and he's one of the few that does it old school and new school. Yes, like he, there's nothing gonna stop that dude. So yeah, that, that's definitely the type of people surrounding yourself around benefits you when you know you reach those days where you're just out of ideas, and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna call somebody like TK. He's <laughs> he's gonna throw seven thousand ideas at me. I only need one, so we'll. We'll see what it what it comes up with. So right, and you know, you just brought up an important point, um, which I'm glad you did as well, because there's going to be a lot of people who listen to this now who feel like every idea they have is thwarted by COVID, or they live in a city that's being rioted and torn apart, or they're fine, or COVID, you know, again, <laughs> or just their regular problems on top of COVID, and they're going to seem insurmountable. So. What would be your advice for somebody who feels exactly like you just said, like they're fresh out of ideas and 
the spirit is willing, but the ideas and the resources feel weak. If the, if the spirit is willing, there's hope, you know, you just, we all have our bad days and like COVID to me has been a blessing because it's, it's allowed me to reconnect with my family. You know, we're pretty easy going and laid back. So it's been really awesome to, to hang out with them. My wife might not say that all the time. She's been working from home the whole time, but I've enjoyed, you know, being around them and, and she has too. And being able to hang out with our daughter because she's busy with sports and, and stuff normally seven days a week. So it, it's a lot for a, a mental reset, if you will. And, yeah. and for, for entrepreneurs and stuff like that, take this time to, to reload, write down every idea you got. Some, some are going to be stupid, but you only need one to hit, you know, and if you're, if you're going to sit on your thumbs and not do nothing, nothing's going to hit. So if that's a if that's the way you want to go, mentally reset, slowly push forward. Now's the time. Nothing's going on really. Every time we every time we think we're taking a step forward, we're putting more masks on and getting banned from stuff. So you know, just <laughs> just sit sit back, relax, and and work on that next big idea. I love it. All right. So one question that I have to ask. Um, you know, the reason that we started American Snippets years ago was when we thought our country was divided then we thought you know we felt the the wave of hate and anger and divisiveness three years ago we had no idea we'd only seen the tip of that particular spear but we realized that one of the things was that the american dream itself was under attack and there was a new line of thought coming out almost focused on making everybody believe that that american dream is not possible anymore it's only possible to a select few people some people have access to it. Some people don't. Here's the reasons it's dead. Here's the reasons it's bullshit. All of that, right? But we believe that it's the opposite. We believe it's alive and well and available to anybody who is really willing to dig in and get dirty and go for it. But the key factor is that we understand it looks different for everybody. We all have our own idea of what our particular American dream is. So I'd like to ask you, what is your version of that American dream? <laughs> You know, without sounding, you know, like a jerk, like I, I'm living it. I mean, I joined the army with 200 bucks. That's all I had left. And that was money my grandmother gave me. So technically, I didn't have anything when I joined the army. I had the, the clothes in my bag and, and that 200 bucks. And, you know, when I look back at that was pre 9-11, 2001, I had that $200 and I'd like to think you should, you know, she's looking down and saying that that was a good investment because we've, we've definitely made more than 200 bucks since then. So, um, you know, just, I just was never satisfied. I always, I always knew I could do more and just kept, kept chasing that dream and going after it. And if I can do it, I know anybody can. I mean, I did all that on a high school diploma. You know, there's people out here way more educated than me that are, that are like, oh, I can't do this and get this all done. I'm like, yeah, you can. It's just, it's going to take some time. And, you know, if you're getting into business and you're okay with not getting a paycheck for two or three years and you can get through that, you can pretty much get through anything. So, um, yeah, I just, I, there's, I don't have bad days anymore. You know, I just wake up, smile, laugh, post stupid shit on Facebook for people to laugh at and, you know, move on about my day. But, um, I don't think anything that I've done has been so miraculous that somebody else can't just call me up and say, Hey, how'd you do that? And I'll be like, that's, that was it. That was pretty easy. It was like five steps. <laughs> Wasn't anything, you know, out of this world. 
Nice. All right. So did you have that hard time after the military? Did you, did you come out of the military and just fall into this line of work you're in now? Or was there that gap? No, we, we struggled big time. I, I got out of active duty in 2006. I joined the army reserves and that was probably the best thing that I ever, ever did. But, you know, I got out of active duty. I didn't have a degree. I had a job from the army that didn't translate to anything. Uh, I had TBI had PTSD, had all this post-combat stuff going on that, that I wasn't having diagnosed or treated because I didn't want that uh, to, to stop me from getting potential jobs down the road. So I'm trying to treat stuff on my own. And, you know, it was a big disaster. I really put my wife through, through the ringer during that time frame. And, um, you know, life was coming at me 100 miles an hour. I had a, a four, three, three, four-year-old at that point that, you know, I got to, got to feed the family and I, I can't, I don't have anything to offer anybody to do it. So that was kind of when I was, that's when the reinvention of, of my life and career and professional and family, all that stuff that all started, you know, I look back and that time sucked so bad. You know, it could have broke a lot of people, but now to where I, where I am now, I'm grateful that that happened because it really makes me appreciate the people I've met, you know, the, the stuff we've got to do and, all that, all the stuff that comes with that. So yeah, I don't, I don't wish that on anybody, but I don't know if it could got it could uh, have got any lower, but people can come back from it. You just gotta, you just gotta take one foot at a time and, and make that dedication to doing it. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, that's unfortunately something we see a lot with in particular people who leave the, the military, um, especially with that combat experience behind them. But it's not really behind you all, you know, it's so with you in a lot of ways. I talked to World War II veterans today who will break down as they relive, relive the moments and something that I know will never really leave you, but it's also applicable to other people who lose any kind of sense of purpose, right? If a marriage falls apart or if a job goes away, like especially now, you know, with COVID or you lose somebody special to you in your life, whatever that may be, you lose a physical function that you had before that you can't do the thing you want. So what would be any kind of nuggets of wisdom you have for someone who is on the precipice of that gap between the, the, the life they built their identity on that has been taken from them for whatever reason and how to get over that gap to rebuild a whole new identity? I think when we're going through struggles in life and life is all ups and downs, uh, we become compartmentalized to the point where we think we're the only ones going through this. You know, just, just because your neighbor's over there smiling, having a great time, living their best life, you, you tend to think, well, they, they don't care about me. They, they don't understand what I'm going, I'm going through. And, you know, when I got out of the military, I really felt that people owed me one. Like, man, I just went through this shit in Iraq. Like people owe me something for this. And, it's not the case. You know, you, you got to break yourself of those chains and and come out of that compartmentalized mindset and don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, there's so many resources out there for anything from mental to professional help that you can reach out for and, and, and start to build your life over again. And, and, you know, sometimes on the professional side, you got to take a pay cut to, to take that next step, you know, and you just got to kind of humble yourself and, and realize, Hey, I just got about dealt a really bad hand. Now I got to move forward and, and just 
put your shoes on and roll forward. You know, it's, it's pretty easy. It's just, I understand the people that are, that are struggling and getting back to social media again, you know, you go on there and everybody's living their best life on social media. Nobody ever puts the bad stuff or if they do, it's political. So <laughs> you just, yeah. you're just surrounded by, by a lot of fake living from people that are outside influences on your life. And I can definitely see how people could become, that are depressed become even more depressed, you know, seeing that. And you just got to block all that stuff off and, you know, smile and, and move forward. Love it. Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to to sit down with us today. I love, I feel like all these areas you've gone into, I could sit down with you and go down independently for an hour or more, you know, or however we'll come, long. We'll, just, we'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. If people want to connect with you online on social media, or learn about the work that you're doing, get involved or hit you up for info on that, how can they do so? Tackle16.com is probably the easiest way. Go through the website. I, th- I think there's links on there for email addresses and stuff. And I'm not hard to find on social media at all. So type in E-R-I-K-S-H-A-W on Facebook and it's, it's going to pull me up. So, um, yeah, and we got uh, social media for Tackle 16 and, and stuff like that. So we're out there. We're, we're easy to find. And, you know, if, if we can help, we're definitely going to do our best to to do that. And, and if we can't help you, don't slam me on social media. I just couldn't do anything and I'm sorry. So. <laughs> Well, I don't know if people will sign that that waiver agreement, but no, they won't. But no, but definitely look Eric up, especially if you are somebody who has a story to tell and you want to bring out the message in that story. I know the value of doing that. I know the feedback I've got from people when I share my story and the the message from it is huge, and I promise you it'll be worth your time. So definitely look Eric up. And Eric, thank you so much for taking the time again today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Eric Shaw for being here as well. Uh, Don't forget to head on over to americansnippets.com. Check out the featured article that we did on Eric Shaw. Re-listen to the podcast interview. Watch the video interview that we did there as well. And we also include some social media links that you can use to follow Eric on social Uh, on Facebook, Instagram. Make sure you tag us on Facebook or Instagram if you're sharing his article at American Snippets. And if you got any value out of today's episode or any episode that we've done in the past, all that we ask is that you leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I also highly encourage you to go back and listen to last week's podcast episode with Officer Parker. Again, we appreciate being here today. Don't forget, we're offering a free t-shirt just for being an American patriot and for checking out our community, The Great American Syndicate. Go to greatamericansyndicate.com. Thank you so much for being here. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are.